From the Spec Network, this is Fragmented, an Android developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better Android developers. I'm Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. This episode of Fragmented is brought to you by BuddyBuild. BuddyBuild is a mobile-optimized continuous integration and delivery platform that takes minutes to set up. Thousands of mobile development teams love BuddyBuild because it's the fastest way to build, test, distribute, and gather feedback on their apps. With every Git push, BuddyBuild will kick off a new build, run your UI tests in parallel on real devices, and automatically deploy your build to your users via Slack or email. With a simple screenshot, testers can send their feedback directly to you along with important diagnostic details. And if your app ever crashes, BuddyBuild will record the frequency, affected users, and traces back to the exact lines of source code that caused the crash in the first place. BuddyBuild gives development teams like yours perfect insight into bugs and empowers you to iterate on your app faster than ever, knowing that you're building an app that your users will love. Join thousands of developers who've already added BuddyBuild to their development process. Try it free today at fragmentedpodcast.com slash BuddyBuild. So Kaushik, what have you been up to today? You uh, been pretty busy or no? Android developer, always busy, man. Got to keep yourself busy. So much to do. <laughs> there is. There's like not enough time in the day. I uh, I got like 80,000 things to do on my checklist and I think I got half of one done today. <laughs> that pretty much sums up the amount that I got done as well. There's so many of these videos. There are these great conference videos that I have queued up and that I need to watch. So much to do. So little time. Speaking of those videos, the you know I still have one saved from the Android Dev Summit last year that I still have not watched. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> They're like the ones that like, you know, like, oh, I really need to watch this. This looks cool. I think I can get something out of it, but it's not really pertinent to what I'm doing at the time. So I just kind of like, ah, uh, add it to the watch later list. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I have a whole bunch of those as well. Like They were like advanced uh, constraint layouts or like, you know, one of these views that I always want to know more about because I feel like, oh, that would be useful for the next project. But uh, you got to make the time, I guess. Exactly. Well, anyway, so what do you think we, we were going to talk about today? What should we talk about? So there's this topic that has plagued both of us for quite some time. And it's a topic that we've been pushing out because we both are pretty passionate about this topic. And it's also a topic that I think that is like widely discussed in the Android development community. And uh, people keep asking you this question. People keep asking me this question. And we keep saying, ah, oh, like it's hard to respond to that in 140 characters, but we have strong opinions. So Today is finally that day where we get to pour our hearts <laughs> over this topic. And that's about the use of event bus today. What do you think? I, I completely agree. And to be 100% honest and forthcoming about the topics of event buses, uh, for many years, dating all the way back to around 2008, when I, probably before that, when I was first introduced to them, um, it's been a huge uh, tool in my tool chest. And I have literally used the living heck out of event buses uh, to the point of its detriment, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, I I still to this day think and I still need them from time to time. And what I've found is I'll sometimes lean on either a custom library or I will kind of write my own little one if I don't need a big library, which we'll get into again as well. Now, that's me. What about you? Do you feel as passionate about event buses as I do, or have you changed, or what's your thoughts? It's the exact. It's funny you would mention. I felt the exact same way when I discovered the use of an event bus. I'm like, my life has changed from this moment on, and I kept using event buses all over the place. 
uh, and it was useful. And uh, to a large extent, it has helped me in many ways, right? For example, there are certain use cases when you want to like communicate between fragments when, you know, fragments were a thing. Like even buses are mm-hmm. extremely useful and like they were, I felt at that point of time, the right tool for the job. But also like you mentioned, it has come to a point where I feel event buses today are being uh, overused to the point of it being mildly abused. Uh, and that mm-hmm. leads to like certain problems that we'll like we'll we'll start to touch upon. But my feelings are exactly the same. Let's yeah, let's I think rewind a little bit too um, before we dive into what you know what we think and and choices and troubles and 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 pluses and minuses and talk about exactly what an event bus is. And and I'll take a stab at it here, and you can um, you know augment or, or or help me out here as we go along. Yeah, yeah. So now an event bus, if you take a particular concept like a layered architecture of your application and what i mean by layered architecture this kind of follows a lot of stuff that we talked about with martin fowler uh, which couch and i are both big fans of Mm -hmm. you have various different layers of your application at the root layer which is sometimes your data layer that's sometimes called a repository on top of that you may have what's known as a service layer or the business logic layer and then at the top layer sometimes is the ui layer and this is the typical very simple, naive, uh, three-layered architecture that you've seen probably in many enterprises or, or applications around. And if you haven't, this is usually where you kind of go when you first start wanting to separate your application into different logical layers. Now, the problems end up starting to come up when you need to have a, something happens down at a lower layer or at a higher layer, and you need to propagate that event, whatever it is, to maybe from the database up to the UI. Now, if something like that were to happen, you have to basically pass that from the database, the repository up to the business logic or service layer, and then all the way up to the UI layer. And then if you need to get that back down there, it has to traverse this entire path again. And this even complicates itself a lot more if you start introducing other layers of your application for that do various other things as well. You know, you get five, six, seven different layers, depending upon what feature or screen you're working in. Long story short, it built, you have a bunch of coupling inside of your application and it's hard to pass messages around. And so an event bus, so if you think of a layered architecture sitting in a, in a vertical, in a uh, like horizontal line stacked on top of each other, you would say, think of a event bus as a component that sits vertically next to them. So it actually sits directly next to them and talks to each one of the layers independently and allows you to decouple your application. And if we really want to think about it in a very simple way, it's actually just an implementation of a the pub sub pattern, meaning that any particular layer can say, hey, something happened, this customer was updated, you can then publish that event and anyone who wants to know about that that customer has been updated can then say, hey, anytime a customer updated event is fired, just go ahead and call, let me know so I can do something with it. And this could be one place in your application because I'm sure this has happened with a lot of people. You have a particular widget on the screen that's in one fragment that needs to get updated, but then you also have another fragment that's visible, maybe like a master detail view customer gets updated, you need to update both locations. What ends up happening at that time? You have, if you're in a traditional approach, you have to update both screens and you have a bunch of glue and plumbing code you got to write that's very fragile, brittle, error prone. But if you introduce an event bus, you can kind of decouple that because of that PubSum pattern. Now, that's kind of how I've usually explained it to folks. Uh, I've even written a blog post on this way back in 2009 when I was doing a lot of stuff with .NET using uh, some of WPF's event aggregator code. So (laughs) really way throwback. And I actually started working with that way back in 2005 and six. 
So I, I have some history with it there. I love this. <laughs> what about you? What are your thoughts on it? My thoughts on your blog post are amazing. <laughs> I love the fact that <laughs> like this .NET post exists. Like Don Felker, who I know is like uh, an author of Android books, has written this .NET blog post that that warms my heart a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, most people have no idea about me, but uh, my, my roots were in in uh, my, the Microsoft stack, and uh, I cut my teeth there very early on. I still maintain. I think uh, C sharp is like a, a great language, and .NET like, is yeah. like yeah, yeah, it's it's a great language. Coming back to like your original question, I think you summarized it perfectly well. M- much like you, I also had like a post where I wrote about like the event bus and. Essentially, I, I tried to uh, talk about like how you could use Rx Java for like this event bus. Uh, we'll add a link to that in the show notes as well. What about, are there any libraries that you know of that uh, that most folks have, have looked at using to help facilitate implementing an, an event bus with, you know, a proper event bus library? Absolutely. So uh, even uh, to this day, if people want to use an event bus, I usually recommend Square's Auto, mm-hmm. uh, O-T-T-O. For those who don't know why it's labeled Auto, Square has like these cute stories for the names of their projects. Why is it? So it's basically a Simpson reference. Uh, so in <laughs> for folks who've uh, seen The Simpsons. Auto. The name of the uh, bus driver is Auto. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that was like a, a nice tidbit that I picked up along the way. So usually I recommend auto. Uh, there is a, like there is like the constant question these days because for folks who go and see auto, like uh, I believe Square has said that they're not actively maintaining. Yeah, if you actually go to, I mean, I haven't heard that statement from any of the folks that we that we know at Square. At Square, um, but if you actually go to the GitHub page, so GitHub.com slash Square slash auto, you'll actually see a large deprecated warning on the library now. Oh, really? Interesting. Which and this is funny. This kind of ties back because if you read it, it says this project is deprecated in favor of Rx Java and Rx Android, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, yada, yada, yada. If you're looking for guidance on migrating from auto to Rx, this post is a good start. And this post that they link to is actually your blog post that you were just talking about. Our mutual good friend, Jesse Wilson, was the one who I believe pointed someone towards that. Yeah, so I, I remember, and I want to ask you, like, if you had, like, a similar sort of uh, story in the beginning. So there were two that were, like, pretty big. One is Auto. The other was by this company called Green Robot. And I, I think it was just called Event Bus, E and B being capital. Right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And for the longest time, there was, like, always, like, the discussion of, like, which was better because, like, Auto was a very, like, in typical square fashion, was a very simple implementation. They made it as simple as possible. Even the details were, like, implemented in a way which was very easy to understand. So you could just plop the source code open even today and you'd pretty much very easily understand how the whole thing is implemented. Green Robot went the other route and they added a, like, a lot of functionality where you could cache stuff in your event bus. There were like some other things that I don't recall specifically, but there were like certain functionality that I believe event bus had that auto didn't, but it was like one of mm-hmm. those like few edge cases that you would need. Typically, I stuck like to auto just because like you know i trust square to know like what they're doing yeah but the use of like event bus promoted 
certain functionality which wasn't necessarily which led to like bad code right yeah so that was also like one reason i remember where i felt no actually in that case it might be better to just stick with auto uh so did you also start along the same route yeah when i was first looking for a, a few versions i actually wrote one of my own initially that i used internally it was a very embarrassing code to tell you the truth it was based upon you know my interactions with uh the my previous life as a .net fo- uh developer but at around that same time uh, auto uh, kind of came on to the scene and I, w- I was drawn to it immediately as well and then i also learned about green robots event bus and for the long again furthermore there was a long running almost kind of weird tension between the auto community and the green robot event bus community uh, based upon saying who's faster which one is better uh, why this you should use this one over this one uh, and it always seemed that kind of people had their religious wars over it. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I was in the same fence as you. It makes sense to use something that's just simple and works. And auto was one of those things. It was a couple of lines of code. I didn't have to think too hard about it. And it solved my problem. And I was able to move on to the next business problem. Makes perfect sense. What are some of the things that you used uh, event buses for during your tenure with them? Great question. One place where I uh, found event buses to be extremely useful was in the days of fragments, right? You don't use fragments anymore? <laughs> I don't actually anymore. Like, well, <gasps> well, that's... Okay, we'll open that can of worms another episode. That war for another episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when we, like in, the, in certain places where we do use fragments, uh, in order to communicate between fragments, like an mm-hmm. event bus is just the easy way to go, right? Versus yep. passing that event to up to the parent activity and then making sure that activity passes it back to other activities it's uh, it, it was a, a big pain and this is like the prime example where like auto shines right like you can have it and not just between fragments and even to this day i think like it's a very good use case for an event bus if you wanted to communicate between an activity and say a service right yes to this day, I don't like you can use other alternatives and we can talk about this as well. You can use like a broadcast receiver. There's like uh, the other thing. What's it called? Local service connections and binders and all that kind of stuff, too, yeah. which gets hardcore. Right. At, at which point I'm like, nah, there's like that's way too much code. Like, you know, it, an event bus is so simple and it gets like I using Dagger. I just inject my event bus into like the service. I inject it into the activity and I push from one place. I subscribe in the other place. Boom. You're done. Right. So uh, even to this day, I think like it works pretty well. Like I, I would prefer going the event bus route versus like, you know, using service binders and all that kind of stuff. What are some places that you think uh, you found using an event bus as being useful? I found a lot of the use cases to be very similar to your use cases. And the again, the first one being the activity to fragment communication, interfragment communication. So I had multiple fragments on the screen. Uh, also, the the service one, which is was very common, uh, and I, I still that's always my first thought when I am building something and I need to communicate with a service that's running in the same process, which is an important note that I will use an event bus to do that, just because it made it so much easier to do. That's been the majority of everything I've done. Now, it's also been used at a, at a couple of companies that I've that I've been at to communicate system-wide events like, hey, we are now 
there is a you know a system sync and process for syncing data for the entire yeah, app. Let's yeah. pause something. Let's let the user know. Uh, let's not allow new transactions to be saved. Or hey, we are we are now in a disconnected state. Network connectivity is gone, and we want to post that for some reason. So there's various different places I've used it, uh, and it's always come to mind anytime I need multiple you know multiple subscribers to need to know about a, an event. That's always come to mind, but. I have been leaning on other options. Have there been any other places that you've used it at all, or, or is that kind of in your, your main area? Two other areas that I found that it was pretty useful was one with GCM uh, oh. uh, notifications. So, like, uh, that's one thing that I used at Wedding Party, and I found, like, even to this day, I found that to be a really good implementation where, like, internal push notifications. So, for those who understand how the push notification system works in Android, you get the push notification from outside using like a, you know, like a receiver. Yep. And in order to like, you either push, like uh, you either pop the notification if your app is backgrounded or you have like an internal sort of update on like the screen. And that would depend on how like your application treats that event, right? Mm-hmm. Now you don't necessarily know which activity is currently in the foreground, right? So that's like pretty tricky to do. So instead what you would do is you just like publish this, through your event bus and then on every activity that's concerned with this it would just like listen to that event and then uh, accordingly update right so that's uh, with gcm notifications and we can add a link to a blog post where they talk about how you can event how you can implement gcm notifications using an event bus that was super useful in those situations did you find yourself using a a super class of some sort to subscribe to these events so you didn't implement the same logic in multiple places <laughs> That yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, typically I would do that, and there are like certain quirks. For example, I think this was one of the things that was like a difference between Auto and uh, probably Event Bus, like from Green Robot. Was I think if you subscribe in super classes, that is like app side classes or like parent classes, it doesn't work. It has to be at like the, it has to be at like the child class. Or there was like some variant. I don't even remember what it is, but there was like a workaround to that, right? So if you had a base class, which is very typical for most standard applications, right? So you had a base activity and you wanted to subscribe in that base activity to an event. For example, push notifications are a great example, right? Like you want, or like the the example that you mentioned about syncing, like in all likelihood, any activity that you have uh, would want to know of those events. And uh, you can't do that in a base activity because typically you would think that your base activity is like abstract or something. So that didn't work uh, mm-hmm. out of the box uh, th- there is like a workaround where you register that as an explicit observer uh, but yeah I guess that's uh, pretty much it uh, have you used it recently have you have you used like an event bus for anything recent because I had like a very recent use case where I thought you know what it might just make sense to use an event bus to be 100% honest uh, I have found uses for it mm-hmm. but it's the weird thing with the being an Android developer and being in a very active community, <laughs> uh, especially one that's very passionate about RX. I feel almost dirty for thinking about an event bus. <laughs> yeah, so that is the feeling. Like, yeah. like I, I can use this for, I can use an event bus to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. But then immediately I think, I'm like, oh, it's deprecated. I can't use that anymore. You know, I prefer to use, I can go use the event bus from Green Robot, of course, but for some reason, I'm thinking, okay, well, now maybe I need to progress. And then I end up finding myself reading your blog post for like the 18th time. <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe I should event one this way. So the long, the long version of saying, no, I haven't used it. What about you? I actually very recently I used it and I had the exact same thought process as you, but I, I convinced myself that it made sense to actually just use an event bus. So uh, the example was, so I had like 
this uh, activity, right? As both you and I, like, you know, like both of us are like, we believe in the view model and the presenter pattern. So I have an activity, I have an activity presenter. This activity has an adapter. The adapter has a presenter, right? So the there's an adapter presenter and the adapter in turn has a view holder. So the view holder has the presenter, right? Mm-hmm. And these are like cases where it may, made sense for me to have presenters because there was a lot of like funky stuff happening in that view. So which is why I use the presenter. It, it goes back to the original explanation that you gave, which I, I really enjoyed that explanation, by the way, like the coupling that happens. So all the way from the activity, Mm-hmm. to the view holder like in the view holder that's where you have access to like you know your button or like your text yep. or something that needs to have like a click listener or some of sort there's a lot of layers there to get there you yeah. know if you look at your code like you're newing up an instance of this adapter and you're setting in this equal to that and then a view holder and like all this kind of stuff going on yeah exactly and if you want to communicate backways in the right way martin fowler says we have to like use this intermediate view you can't just like get a reference directly to the parent class right so you have like mm-hmm. this view in between and I found myself that in order to communicate all the way from the view holder to the activity, because the mm-hmm. activity is what would kick off, like, you know, like this, uh, that's where you have, like, that w- was the right logical place to take this action because you're launching another screen. So I want to do that in the activity, not at the view holder, right? Mm-hmm. So when I did that, I was like, wow, in order to pass this event all the way up, I had like four channels, like, you know, I had to like implement interfaces. And in those interfaces, I had to have like a callback. And I was like, this is exactly why he had like the event bus, right? Like the whole point was to avoid like this sort of nested. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to use an event bus. And sure enough, like what otherwise would have been like 20 lines of code spread across like the whole, like across like five class files, it just got done in two class files. Like, you know, the the point where I'm like uh, shooting the event out, which is the view holder and the, and the point where I was interested in listening, which is the activity. So that was like a very recent uh, case because how else would, I approach it. Yeah, sure. I could use like the interface pattern, but that seems like a pain in the behind, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. And and you you bring up a very valid point. Is like this is like the right one of the right times to use it because you're it's allowing you that decoupling, and so you don't you know overload. You know, it's kind of keeping it the 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 kiss principle, keeping it simple. You know, right, right, right. And and in this case, it, it is sort of simplifying it because if you take it a step further now, let's say you click on that button and you need to pass a, you know, an event or whatever up to the activity. So you got those four layers of indirection to get there. And then for some reason, you determine or the activity or whatever type of code determines something needs to happen back down to that view and that view holder. Maybe it needs to flip or spin or turn red. Now you have to go back, traverse those other four layers again to change that in the opposite direction. So that's even more code. But if you're using an event bus, like, okay, maybe it's just another event (laughs) and that's it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think that kind of leads us, this is kind of the, the situation where you're like, you first see event buses working. It's almost that same type of scenario with the master detail uh, views and you need to update multiple things at once. And you get that feeling of like this God feeling of this is magical. <laughs> right, I right. love this. I will never code with that one again. And then you start to get into trouble. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I guess now we should talk about like the some of the problems with an event bus, right? Like what are the problems yes. exactly with, we talked about like what it is, some of the great use cases. What are like some of the biggest problems that you've had with an event bus? You know, it's like you said, it's like, it's so magical. Like uh, <laughs> it's like chocolate, right? Like chocolate is amazing, <laughs> but too much chocolate for you at some point is going to make you sick. <laughs> You're right, yeah. Uh, so that, that's like pretty much how I felt. What, what are your qualms with an event bus? 
what I've init- what I've found over time, and and we use the event bus a lot. Uh, I'll keep the client names out of this, but uh, we have <laughs> used them a lot. A few of my clients, right. and uh, all of us as developers eventually got to the point of uh, like event fatigue, <laughs> meaning that I love that term. <laughs> we had no. I mean, to just how how we feel that no freaking clue who was firing what event, where it was coming from, how it was happening. We'd have multiple places firing that same event. So when you think you found the location of where it was it was fired and you'd make a change, like it didn't affect it. Uh, and we found that it made it so easy to make changes that it actually made the code a lot harder to read. And that was probably my biggest complaint. It also made it in the end, uh, quite brittle because we had so many events being fired off. Have you ever run into a situation like that? That is exactly how I feel. Like, you know, that was, I was, you plucked the words from my mouth. That's exactly <laughs> what I felt because everyone's like, this is amazing. And then like the next thing, you know, like I have four events like firing off the ad logs and like, you know, because like there's some bug, like something happens when it's not supposed to happen. Like, you know, the background, like, you know, a fragment yep. changes position or like something happens and then we have people saying like, this doesn't work the way it is. And like, you have no idea because, well, you look at the activity and like, yeah, I can see that that would happen because the event fired. But like, where does the event get fired? Oh, like it gets fired from four places. Which four of those places like did it actually fire from? I have no clue because like, you know, that basically means you have to like traverse. And And did it get... Did it get fired after this other event got fired that altered this view? Because now it alters the view too. But if it get altered in a different way because a GCM notification came in, <laughs> then we're not sure if it should be red or blue. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> this is where a perfect example where the decoup- decoupling sort of like bites you in the behind because you're like, mm-hmm. I have no clue. And so in order to reproduce this bug, I have to try all four scenarios, right? And like you said, if that in turn was fired by another event, then you have to see like the other 10 places that this got fired from. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> and you have this humongous puzzle in your head, like this humongous gear, you know, this humongous engine of gears like going in your head. You finally understand everything. You're like, okay, I think I can figure it out now. You're starting to wrap your head around it. And then all of a sudden someone comes over and says, hey, you got a few minutes to talk? <laughs> and like just destroys you completely. Uh, and you're just like, yeah, uh, sure. And then yeah. you're going to spend the next 30 minutes, uh, to, you know, getting back into the flow just because you went crazy with the events. And you said like earlier, you said, you know, four events. I, I remember at one point that I think I had counted over 60 different event classes that we had in one, one of our apps. And it was just nuts, like just craziness. Right. And you brought up like you mentioned this. And I think this is like where this is the crux of like, I guess, the problem that both of us have. Right. It's that the readability of the code becomes starts to become a problem and the cognitive load right like the like you cognitive totally like you said like there's this like complex graph that you have to maintain in your head of like how these events communicate and at that point is where productivity like really sort of like sinks right like that's when like mm-hmm. you know the the cannonball has like blasted through like the hull of your ship and like you're sinking because <laughs> mm-hmm. like nothing makes any sense anymore it's a complete chaos. It's like the bus turns into the application almost. Yeah, exactly. Right, now, right. and I also ran into you know, there's there's other problems too that you that you run into, like especially when we were first starting to use auto, and that one is that auto by default is thread confined to the main thread. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was a big thing about well, how do we do 
cross-thread communication. I need to to access this from a intent service that I need to communicate with and I need to send messages back and forth or even another service that fires a background thread off. How do I do that? You had to create your own bus that used the main looper and you know <laughs> yeah. did and then you checked if it wasn't then you'd post it whatever back and forth and um and that was you know difficult so you had to maintain that as well that makes sense so okay we've been i i, I guess at this point we have also like <laughs> voiced our like concerns with an event bus and it's clear at this point that you and i would probably not use event an event bus if we had a better alternative right yeah so what are the alternatives? Like, if not an event bus, what do I use? Well, you know, there's a few things that are out there um, right now. Um, and I'm just talk about a couple of them. And uh, the first one that, that that I think about, and because I had a lot of experience with this, is in building an SDK, is actually using, if let's say we're, we're building services, right? Actually, Android services. And they're going to be running in a different process. Using an event bus actually really won't work there because it's in a completely different process. So you actually need to actually start relying on AIDL. Now, uh, I probably just struck fear into like 90% of the <laughs> Android developers by saying those words. Yeah. Um, so... Luckily, most people don't have to interact with AIDL that much, so that's good. So let's just go ahead and scratch that one off the list. The other ones uh, that we have here is broadcast receiver. And so you can actually post a broadcast, and then you can then have a receiver that gets called in your application when this type of thing uh, is 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 fired off. And this was the, basically the way to do it before auto and all these other ones came out. And it was even like the local broadcast manager and the local broadcast receiver, which would then keep those events and messages local to your application as well. Right. Um, but it's also not type safe. These types of receivers are not type safe. You're basically shoving data into intents, which we, we've all dealt with intents long enough to know that we have all these various keys and encodings and... Uh, it has to be parcelable. If it's not parcelable, yeah. you have like all those other problems. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and so you can run into all the types of issues there. Um, so those are kind of the, the the common options. Though I know that you're passionate about another option. <laughs> and uh, what would right. that be? Uh, yeah, so that's the... Like, that's I was going to ask this similar question is like, okay... Let's forget all this baggage and history that we have. If you were starting today, I yeah. still would like to use an event bus in certain places. So what would I use, right? And uh, my sort of preference is like usually typically with RX Java, like if there's like an RX Java alternative, I like I, I usually tend to use that. And so um, mm -hmm. uh, there is, it's actually with RX Java, and this is also why it suddenly started to like spur like many of these questions. Many people don't understand that RX Java and like uh, people who are like sort of just getting into RX Java don't understand this. RX Java is not an alternative to an event bus. RX mm -hmm. Java is this like massive sort of like pattern and this whole sort of new way of thinking that you subscribe to, which makes the implementation of some of these other things trivial, right? And this is like the blog post that I wrote about like the event bus that you were kind enough to reference. I basically implemented using RX Java a very simple like event bus, and this goes back to like how elegant the comp uh, the concept is of an event bus, right? It's so simple, just with a subject like a simple RX Java subject, like you can achieve like all the functionality of an event bus, right? You can yep. if you use a behavior subject, then you could have like the sticky event sort of like pattern that uh, you wanted to use. If you mm -hmm. wanted to like just have like no, just like a regular event bus that just like passes things across, then you can use like a publish uh, subject. So 
that's like a very very typical pattern i must add a caveat there's a better alternative to using subjects it's like specifically in the cases of event bus have you found yourself using on java like in this context like as an event bus yeah i have i actually took your example and and kind of extended it uh to in, in an application within uh, i think it was 2015 is the last time that uh that i'd used that implementation but now there's there's a couple of other options out there um have you used uh jake's relay at all yeah exactly so I looked into it yeah that's like that's the thing that uh, like i was trying to allude to as well uh jake's relay is perfect for an event bus and i actually recently updated that implementation that i had of uh, my rx bus in the samples repository to use jake's relay right and we talked about this in the rx java 2 episode that we recently had a chat with him about mm mm-hmm. the relay is essentially exactly the same as a subject but as he mentioned there isn't an on uncom- there isn't any termination event right and so this is almost perfect <laughs> especially in the cases of an event bus because here's the problem that people didn't get when you used a subject as an event bus mm-hmm. the nature of the contract of rx java is like if you have a terminal event like for example if you had an on error which is like which you know it could happen like you know something in the tool chain like something in the chain just like through an exception or an error yeah. your subject will just like terminate so it's any got, it's few, done yeah it's done like you know thank you very much like it's time to go home peace out <laughs> that's how like rx, <laughs> that's the contract that you adhere to with rx java so yep that can uh, be problematic for an event bus because you want an event bus to keep going on like the future events need to be passed on which is why if you substitute the subject literally with a relay the apis are like exactly the same i'll try to post a link with the difference between like when i switched it to use jake's relay versus like a subject it's literally just like making sure you have the imports right and then swapping the uh object so that is really? like, yeah it's it's super safe for so is it is it also type safe too i mean like cuz it's rx mm, i don't know if it's type safe in that it won't crash but like you have like when you get the event all you have to do is make sure that uh the event is of an instance that you care about and if it is then you just cast it into like that and like obviously if you checked it's an instance of that event then you don't have any type issues right so you just use that object and then like you know uh, treat it like as you would as uh, any uh, regular event bus interesting okay there is one caveat though and like this is what people initially brought up when people said oh can i just use like rx bus instead of like rx java like the experienced folks in rx java are like whoa 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 hold on a second if you do rx java correctly and this is like the big caveat you typically don't need an event bus so for folks who are listening yeah. if you notice uh, don said hey like the last time i used this was like in 2015 and that's exactly the reason why because after that like all the rx java code like if you understand rx java well enough as don does then what would happen is you would use it in the correct fashion which would obviate did i pronounce that right yeah pretty sure you did yeah. that would just obviate the need to even use an event bus so if that's like a good rule of thumb if you find yourself desperately in the need of an event bus in order to execute something mm-hmm. with rx java when you have rx java available especially for like new code like with legacy code it makes sense like where you might find yourself in these positions where you can't uh, you need to use an event bus but if you're using rx java the right way you typically don't need an event bus at all right which is why i like using the rx bus more so for new greenfield projects if i need the event bus i have it just like you know in the form of a subject that i keep on the side 
but more often than not, just with the single import of RX Java, I've taken care of like all my needs in terms of like addressing both concerns, right? Yeah, I think you bring the, uh, a good point up there. And that's kind of what's popped into my head over the last year. And I've been working with RX for a while now, like you. RX, one of the, RX is one of those things that when you think you know it, it comes back to smack you to tell you that you don't know it. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it's very difficult in that regard to really wrap your head around all of the variations and, and things you can do. It's very easy to also uh, get yourself into a dangerous situation with it. But that said, uh, when you start writing applications that need to be decoupled and you need that functionality where you think you need that event bus, uh, you can start looking at your app and say, all right, well, how can I maybe expose this stream of data in a way that multiple folks can subscribe to it. You know, they are subscribers. Right, right. And that's kind of when you start getting into more of your architecture of your application of like, okay, well, maybe I haven't architected my application well enough to enable it to be, maybe I'm not using Dagger and I am not using dependency injection correctly. And maybe I could then create these types of, uh, you know, something that is, you know, emitting items, a stream of some sort that I need to have subscribers for in multiple places. And if I'm using something like Dagger and I've architected something, you know, somewhat well, I can then inject it to many places. And then those subscribers can subscribe and unsubscribe as they would like. And then at that point, I've kind of removed my need for an event bus in those given situations. Not each one is going to be unique in itself. But when you start asking yourself a question of like, okay, how can I kind of make these streams available elsewhere, you kind of start thinking about the problem uh, with a different frame of mind. Exactly. There are way better, safer, more optimum ways to use Rx Java where it would just like remove the need for you to even have an, an event bus. And I think it's, you know, the thing is kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're nearing the end of our, our conversation about this here, but I think it's also important to to loop back and say, we're not saying that an event bus is bad. Not at all. It oh, exactly. has yeah. its use case. And you've even used it very recently to solve a particular problem. And, and I agreed with you, it was a great solution. So it does have its use case. There are just very common pitfalls that you need to be aware of when you're developing using an event bus. And there's also questions that you should ask yourself of like, is this the right tool for the job? And I think that's what we're really trying to to, to talk about here is, is it the right tool for the job? If it is, okay, they use it. Are we abusing it? Yes or no. And then is there an alternative for it? Am I already using Rx Java? Is this something that we can use inside of our application by just maybe adding some architecture decisions uh, or architecture changes to our app uh, to enable these streams elsewhere? So it's just evaluating the tools for the, the job itself. All right. So Don, we have a couple of listeners who just suddenly woke up this instant and I'm asking you the question. If you started a new Greenfield project today, because this is like the question, like essentially that everyone wants the answer for. Mm-hmm. Would you use an event bus? Out of the box, no. I oh, when I approach a new project, there are a few libraries, and this you know this actually goes back to like our I/O special, like what libraries do you start <laughs> with, right? Um, like literally, mine are Dagger, can't live without it. Um, uh, Rx Java is another one I can't live without, um, and then from there it kind of goes all over the place depending upon what the project's going to be out. If it's HTTP based, I need of course retrofit, and if it's you know I'm doing something else with you know. Uh, audio, then I need some some audio library, whatever. Uh, but mm-hmm. I would not use an event bus out of the gate. It's only when I get to the point where I think, or I'm in a situation like you were before of like, wow, I'm going to add all kinds of layers on my application at this point, or all kinds of layers of indirection here. This looks messy. Maybe I should use a bus here. And that's when I'll pull it in. What about you? 
Tagore and Arik Chava would be my like, for, like it's, it's funny like in all the IO episodes we always ask other people but we never necessarily like pointed out what the libraries that we would use <laughs> yeah, were. I know, yeah, I know. Uh, and I'll still keep the suspense but two of those libraries are exactly the same as Don in that any project that typically I start I plop in Arik Chava and Tagore like those two like just uh, my experience has taught me that I write better code having those uh, in my arsenal. So I just have those. Mm-hmm. And so because I have Rx Java, I 98 to 99% of the time, I try not to use an event bus at all. But if I do find myself like, oh, I really, really need to use an event bus at this point, then I'll just like use an Rx bus because since I already have Rx Java imported, I can just like in a few lines of code, like create my own event bus and then use that. It comes with that big caveat. Yeah, so that's the thing. I feel like uh, that's my usage of an event bus. Now, for folks who are actually like interested in using an event bus, because again, an event bus for those who have used it understand clearly like what how it is, what it's used, what's in what's involved. Uh-huh. For those who but who are interested in learning more, I want to point people to like my standard go to resource that I have at this point, which is uh, the first thing I do is I open up caster.io. You do have a video on event bus. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, which, Anise actually is, does the series on the event bus. Uh, I'll make sure to add like show note links to both of those episodes. So if folks are interested in learning an event bus, I would highly recommend that video. Definitely, yeah. And we cover subjects and then dagger and all that kind of good old stuff too. So, yep. All right. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit all of the fragmented episodes ourselves. The amazing Sarah from Spec helps us with production assistance and wraps our final mix. Our theme music and ad music is produced by the cool cat, Alan Taylor. You can find more episodes of the show on Pocket Casts, Google Play Music, or any of the other great podcast players in town. Our website is fragmentedpodcast.com, and you can find the links to all the stuff we say on our website. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, BuddyBuild. BuddyBuild is a mobile-optimized continuous integration and delivery platform that takes just a few minutes to set up. Join thousands of developers who've already added BuddyBuild to their development process. Try it free today. Go to fragmentedpodcast.com slash BuddyBuild. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode. And that's a wrap.